0: You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 118 covering Time's Arrow Part 2 and Realm of Fear. Hello friends! We are back! We are back with uh, Season 6. Of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yep. We had a really exciting time last episode. For those of you who heard us, for those of you who may have been there. Guys, if you weren't there, it was so fucking cool. Yeah, it really was. This was our first official public appearance. Uh, The the good people at the Emerald City Comic Con agreed to give us a live panel, which was very well attended. Mm Mm-hmm. Particularly considering that our panel was up against Sir Patrick fucking Stewart.
1: Yeah, you'd think all of the Trek fans would already have found something else to do, but no.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, the thing is, not everyone at a Comic-Con is a Trek fan. But a, but a lot of, of those... people at the oh, at yeah, yeah, Comic-Con Oh, yeah, 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 but Trek not everyone. You got, you got maybe half, uh-huh. let's say. Uh, based on what I saw at the table, about half. Mm-hmm. Um. So you got those people, and then you got of them, the people who want to go to something, yep. which is maybe half of them. And let's see, two guys I've never heard of or Captain fucking Picard. Where am I going to go? And Apparently, at least a handful of people thought, I'm going to go
1: see these guys I've never heard of.
0: Yeah, more than a handful. I mean, even taking that into account, we got a, we got a good turnout. I yeah, we did. It was very exciting. Shocking. About it we was. There's pictures of the lineup. Yeah, there are people waiting to see us. Yeah. Which is great. That is insane. Yeah, and we're not going to go on and on about this anymore. But no, we but were, we are excited, we excited. about it. We were, and we'll put a couple of pictures in the show notes for you. uh uh-huh. I would like to welcome any new listeners, uh, both from the panel and people who visited our table and took a CD or a card. Hi. Yes, hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> we hope you enjoy the show. Unfortunately, as it happens, we got a couple episodes that we are not crazy about. Yeah, nice timing, guys. Yeah. Uh, actually, originally we were supposed to do these at the panel, and we're like, you know what? We don't want people's first impression of us to be we don't like Star Trek. We love Star
1: Trek. Yeah, we just it... don't love these episodes.
0: So... No, we can't pretend we do just to to make you happy. We hey, you. so great. Mm, well, the t- the titles were good. I mean, the font is consistent.
1: Can't uh,
0: can't deny
1: that. It um, certainly contained characters we like.
0: Sure. Uh, the theme song is as good as ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, ending credits, very yep. well executed. Yeah, and that also meant the episode was over. Mm-hmm. Good job. That was the uh, best so of all. Before we get underway, one final thing about the panel. If you were there, mm-hmm. if you were there in Emerald City, please, please leave feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, we will put some show notes up and uh, on the on the uh, website, postdomichorror.com. Uh, there is a link there to leave feedback. Mm-hmm. Please tell the con if you liked us. Uh, another thing to our listeners, I know you want to help. Don't say anything if you weren't there. We don't want the appearance that we're, we're doing something shady here, yeah. but future panels depend on people who were there saying that they enjoyed it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, if, so you if you can you do there, that. Yeah. If you were there and you liked us, please, please tell them. Yeah. Cause that plus head count equals more panels and we enjoyed that and we'd love to do more. Yes. So. That. It was delightful. That, it was utterly delightful. We we really enjoyed ourselves, mm-hmm. and we heard people laugh, which is the best thing. When we sit in our homes, mm-hmm. we don't know if anyone's laughing. We make each other laugh, but that's it.
1: Yeah, and fuck, I've been working with him for a long time now. It's not entirely impossible for me to get out the laugh.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult though because we we've been writing together for mm-hmm. five or six years, no longer than that. And um, God, we have been. Too. We we see each other's patterns. Like I know. When I say a certain thing, you're going to say a certain thing and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, that's this hard, is the but... part where Matt talks about The Simpsons again. Right. But we get that instant feedback of laughter from an audience. Yep. And it's like, yes, that was f- – I knew it. That was funny. <laughs> and one thing – we we will move on to the episodes, I promise. One more quick thing. My my writing style tends to be stuff that's not always direct. Matt Matt tends to be the one who uh, who writes the direct, immediate laugh-out-loud stuff. I tend to write the stuff where it's a, it's an obscure reference or there's a weird bit of wordplay you got to untangle in your head. Mm-hmm. And listening to that live recording and hearing me deliver a joke, the audience pause, and then laugh. <laughs> it's like, okay, this stuff works. This is a smart audience. And I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm saying that's just my style. I, I got to tell you, that is the only thing that
1: is higher than getting someone to do an actual spit take.
0: Yep. Is the delayed and then laugh because i deliver jokes and again i'm not saying i'm brilliant i'm i'm a better writer than you or anything like that no although I'm you do have that written down on a sign in front of you of course i do <laughs> i have no an index card everything's on index cards yes no i've seen your workspace yeah it's it's i give you jokes wrapped in a little package and you guys taking the effort to unwrap the package see the joke and then laugh at it mm-hmm. makes me very happy so, Matt, with that being Matt...
1: said, write us a thank you note. Yes, by do by giving feedback
0: on the Emerald City, whatever thing. I was I was going to say, Matt. I, I deliver a nice gift wrap joke. You just um, you get one of those gift bags <laughs> for the for the joke you bought at the drugstore, mm-hmm. and just hand it to them that way. Here uh, here, it's, it in...
1: here it's a gas station car. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Now the quality of the jokes is fun. You just don't wrap them. Oh, no. I don't do that in real life, either. Well, that's true. All right. Enough of this. Enough patting ourselves on the back. We got work to do. Mm -hmm. Now we'll we'll start
1: patting ourselves on the ass. Yes. Or each other.
0: Yes. If we're lucky. All right. Why don't you tell us Time is Arrow 2, Al? Time is Arrow 2. Okay. So... I think I've more than established my feelings on Star Trek's fictional representation of Samuel Clemens, the 19th century humorist. In fact, I established this just last week at great length before an audience of strangers with a slideshow. I'm not sure there's much more to say on this topic. As it happens, however, Mr. Clemens is featured quite heavily in this episode, mm-hmm. quite possibly more than any one single series regular. So to avoid repeating myself and alienating any potential new listeners, I've decided to summarize the parts of the story that don't feature him, as though he didn't even exist. Here we go. Our tale begins in the streets of San Francisco as an eager young reporter talks to himself for a little while. He's probably William Randolph Hearst or Edward R. Murrow or something. Everybody in this episode is going to be famous later. I Meanwhile, the entire bridge crew except for Wharf, previously seen entering some kind of portal, have been hanging out in the past looking for data. All five of them. They all have period clothes, which implies that they either stole or bought them, and probably used some kind of bullshit Kirk logic like, this will all happen again, so who cares? And shut up, that's why. (laughs) They've secured a room in the boarding house of an old lady, who is Irish. An Irish person on Star Trek. Oh boy, here we go. Actually, she's kind of adorable. She demands the rent from her layabout tenants, who are posing as an acting troupe and totally falls for Picard's charming Be and Off Shakespeare play trick, which I assume is the 19th century equivalent of inviting her over to see his etchings. <laughs> over in Data's hotel room, our soon-to-be headless robot pal chats with Guinan and asks her to convince some army guys to allow them into the mineshaft where Data's head will fall off soon. Like I said. We never see how Guinan does this, but poof! We're in the mineshaft eventually, so good job, Guinan. One of those army guys is probably going to be General Patton in a few years, and the army base is probably going to be Pearl Harbor despite that being a Navy base uh, that's in Hawaii. I told you, everyone in this episode is going to be famous. Why, here comes a dashing bald man to whisk Data away to some adventures. He's going to be Captain Picard someday. (laughs) So the gang heads down to the future site of Data's head. Most of them return to the 24th century, but Picard stays behind to tend to Guinan, who's been injured. Somehow. The Enterprise crew struggle to defeat those snake alien guys with the magic murder bags. Hey, remember them? And Geordie attaches Data's 500-year-old head to a significantly younger body. And it works, which is kind of awesome. Then Picard comes back, beams up, and the Enterprise lays waste to the planet. Seriously, they don't even try to reason with the aliens or find a peaceful solution. They just drop some photon torpedoes on them and warp off into the blackness of space, where presumably some sun is setting somewhere. Also it's implied that O'Brien is down in the transporter room but we don't actually see him there which means we never get the obvious reveal that the Irish lady was his ancestor. I'm going to choose to believe this anyway because I simply can't accept that she was just some person without historical significance. That just doesn't make any sense at all. No.
1: I can't was, I can't I can't imagine a uh 18th century San Francisco
0: that's not crawling with famous people. It's all like the uh the bellhop and we mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. Um ends up being uh, Jack London, the, the writer of, I believe it's Call of the Wild.
1: Yeah. Oh, and they do the worst
0: fucking, like, re- they do that, t- that
1: back in time thing mm-hmm. that revealed that they do in every time travel thing ever. You yeah. won't forget the name Jack London. Yeah. I was just glad that Mark Twain didn't then turn around, leave and go, ah, I'll never amount to anything. I'm sorry, who? Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, Al, we're going to have to talk about him now.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. There's a a moment where uh, Picard's pretending to work. I don't know what he's doing exactly. I think he's planting a bug or something Mm -hmm. um, on a a, a gas lamp. Uh And he says, I'm protecting it from earthquakes. And the cop says in this very broad comedic, an earthquake in San Francisco. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. That'll be the day. And I think it's, I'm, I'm remembering this with my horrible memory. I think mm. it was like 1903. It wasn't long after this episode, I know that, where there's this horrible, horrible earthquake that tears San Francisco apart. Even if you don't know that exactly, Matt probably yep. doesn't know that. I, you know I know that there was a San horrible
1: earthquake in San Francisco around
0: that time. But even if you didn't know that, yep. it was delivered so broadly, so elbow to the ribs, ah... That you you just okay yeah I get it. The no only earthquakes, th- huh? The only
1: thing that would make this joke better is that if we flash back to him later and he's buried under rubble dying. What that. a great t- what a great payoff to that joke that would be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that, and the thing is, you can do a time travel thing without doing any of that. Mm-hmm. The original series did that a fair amount. Yeah. They, in City of the Edge of Forever, I don't think... Like, Edith Keeler wasn't a person we've heard of in real no. life.
1: I mean, like, she was important, but like... Yeah,
0: but it wasn't like he was trying to save, I don't know, some important person we've heard of.
1: Yeah, 1930s Joe.
0: Sure. 1930s Joe, the famous social activist. Yes. Or um, uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah. They, you know they they meet the guy who invented transparent aluminum but again but, not a, yeah, not a famous they made person, him be a... the
1: guy that invented transparent aluminum
0: so who which, cares which makes total sense yes it doesn't make any sense no it doesn't make any sense why are we whispering i don't know all right so that was a that was a bit of a um of a of a hacky thing yeah. you're distracting me with your <laughs> i just want to be quiet are you going to turn the lights off and on now they are off and on oh very well are you? Are you recording from a rave? <laughs> I'm, a, I mean, we,
1: I'm recording we, from the quietest rave ever.
0: Well, you know, you asked everyone to keep it down. That's why you went shh. shh. I got I'm, my uh, glow. I, mean, I got my glow sticks. I was just about to say I don't have the, the Skype camera on, but I assume you got a glow stick and a pacifier. Yep. As is the tradition. I'm on ecstasy. Of course you are. You're always on ecstasy. On panel, you were on like double ecstasy. I was on super ecstasy. You're like, uh, hey, you want to take a hit of E, which is, I think, what they call it. And I said, no, thanks, Mang, Mang. I Mang. called you Mang <laughs> because I'd already slipped you some E. Yeah, which wasn't good. No, or that Mickey you slipped me. It uh, we, we was like this. Be, Ho-ho! <laughs> we appear to be avoiding its subject. <laughs>
1: I actually, don't I... before we get too far away from it, yeah. I do want to talk about the, uh, like, the, the bugs Picard is hanging up in the, uh, the various the Yeah, what flights. was that? It's, it's not the, like, I guess they're there to detect uh, if the aliens come back.
0: Well, yeah, they're watching, uh, they they have Crusher watching, like, morgues and stuff, or, yeah. or uh, sick, I don't remember what they called them, where they would have plague people all Cholera. sort of... Uh... Uh, yeah, but it, it like they're they're isolated, they're uh, they're quarantined. But mm. I don't know what they call the wards where they kept those people. No, but, but I know what you mean. Yeah, that's where she's hanging out, where all the cholera victims are basically waiting to die. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool because she actually gets to use her doctor skills. Yeah. To try to figure out what's going on, and yeah, they're they're watching for the aliens. They're planting bugs mm. and that sort but of thing. But
1: the thing is, those bugs are about the size of your thumb, yeah. with a big red blinking light on them. And yeah. every time the light blinks, it goes doot. That's
0: not very discreet. And they never went back to get them. Well, maybe they fed into Geordie's tricorder. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe a lot of things, Al. Maybe Maybe a a lot lot of of things. things. (laughs) So, let's go with my good thing, which coincidentally is Matt's bad thing. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. I actually liked the, uh, well, it's not that I love the landlady. Mm -hmm. She was just a a shouty Irish woman. Yep,
1: never seen that before. Well, and here's On the thing this for those show. of you who
0: may be joining us for the first time: um, Star Trek and the Irish to this point. Oh boy, yeah. We got O'Brien, who is a great, likable character that that is one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. But then, throughout the original series and even into Next Gen, you got a you got a clear you got a clear agenda against the Irish. We, and we don't know we why.
1: Very clearly, do.
0: Yeah, uh, there were there were a handful of uh, Irish. People chasing Kirk around, and making there was like, uh, there
1: was Riley in the
0: there first season. There was is Ben Finney. Was
1: he? Uh, was he yes, Irish? he was. He was
0: Irish. There were a couple of guys like that. And then in Next Gen, we had the horrible planet of Irish farmers. Yep.
1: Oh, we do Oh, so you've got things that make life easier, do you? Well, we don't want a part of that. Oh, whiskey as, as well.
0: If, I do like whiskey.
1: If you make it so the men don't work all the time, they'll just stand by the replicators drinking whiskey until they all die of whiskey.
0: Yeah. So the, when I saw her, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. But she was, she was just the landlady. She was just, you know, run, ran a boarding house. That's fine. But Picard's got this great thing where she comes in yelling about the rent, and he's like, no, 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 we're, we're an acting troupe. Why don't you read some Shakespeare with us? And And it totally works on her. I just – I like charming Picard. We don't get that very often. Mm-hmm. And I like – I we've said this before i love patrick stewart the good actor playing picard the bad actor mm-hmm. that delights me you however didn't uh, didn't shine to those scenes nope. so well, i hated it okay well i thought it was embarrassing me? really oh yeah okay well there's let's... just
1: there's no there, there, there's no point to the scenes at all other than to have you know picard have to deal with this woman who doesn't care that he's the captain or whatever because she just wants her damn rent check well, oh, I think... Captain Picard, you may be the cap- the captain of the Enterprise, but nobody stiffs Mrs. Whatever on her rent.
0: I I can see that point, but I don't know. I think partially story-wise it was to establish that they had been there for a few months and uh addressing some of the practical matters like, well, where are they staying?
1: They actually I don't think they had been there that that long. They talk about how they were planning, like I was reading on Memory Alpha, they were talking about how they were they had planned to have them stay there for months or even like a year. Wow. and have Picard open up, like, a bar, mm-hmm. and, like, them all be hanging out there. And then See, I guess they just decide, we're not going to do that.
0: I don't know. We get that whole time travel thing. We get that whole, you're affecting the past. Mm. You know, I uh, I don't know. On the one hand, I don't care that much. On the other, if that's the rule, if you need to leave as much untouched as possible, maybe you should be consistent with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I... I was actually thinking, I like the idea of... of uh, the, of uh, you know the Trek universe sort of splitting off
0: more and more from our universe. Yeah, there's like, like infinite realities based on every time somebody fucks with the uh, the time. Continuum. Yeah, exactly. I like I like the idea
1: of. Um, I think I read somewhere that uh, towards w- when this actually was in Mark Twain's life, like he was super depressed. He was getting towards the end of it. I like the idea of of after this, like you find out he lived longer or he wrote like another book or something. Just more and more of those differences from our actual reality. Because who the fuck cares?
0: I'm not sure how any of that is relevant to what we're talking about now. Mm. I, anyway, I liked her. Uh, you, you did mention though there there was a bit with Jordy that I agree was a bit hack.
1: Yeah. Oh god, that was so fucking bad.
0: Yeah. We. Well, uh, whenever anyone enters the room, he takes off his visor hurriedly and, and puts on a, a pair of sunglasses. Because uh-huh. of course he does.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, they're all reading their lines, and Geordi's holding the book upside down.
0: Yeah. The last episode did some great comedy, because it was just character stuff. It was great the mm-hmm. shot of water, Data's reacting to his environment, but this time they played the comedy so broad... Yeah, it was really bad. ...that a lot of it didn't work, unfortunately. And that no, was, it... yeah, the blind guy holding the, the book upside down was just mm-hmm. like, really? You're better than that. Yeah. You, you know, I am a Frenchman. We're a long way from that now. hmm Unfortunately. Really? Oh, a blind right.
1: guy holding a uh, holding up a uh, book upside down. Eh height Jack... of hilarity.
0: Jack London, huh? I get it. He'll be famous someday. Yeah. Earthquake. Okay. Let me talk about my bad thing. Yes. Okay, we mentioned this in part 1, but it does not make any more sense now than it did. The aliens are traveling light years across space and 500 years into the past to pose as upper class 19th century humans and steal the neural energy from cholera victims. Uh This makes about as much sense as the whole human brains as batteries things from The Matrix. Uh, The Matrix is a good movie, but that was dumb. Yeah. It's this ridiculously huge effort to harness this almost entirely insignificant amount of energy. Like, what? Yeah, can't you guys just hook up some cows or something? Yeah. Yeah. Also the aliens are practically incidental to the story. The writers yeah, keep having to re- remind us that they're part of the plot. Hey, remember these guys? Oh, yeah. They're important. Remember we, we,
1: Snake Cane.
0: <laughs> we see them doing their thing once. We speak to one of them for about 10 seconds. We have mm-hmm. no idea what they're about. Nope. They're just jerks. They're just evil jerks. And then the Enterprise nukes them from orbit just to be sure. Yep. That Cuz did... that's what the Inter- that's what the uh, Starfleet's all about. Blowing well, up <laughs> blowing people up. People with with ideological differences who may be causing problems for your people because they have a biological need, mm-hmm. and you just blow them up. Yep. That is not next-gen at all. I mean, Kirk would do that. Oh, totally. And this ties back into my my thing from last week, which is this feels like a very Doctor Who concept. Oh, totally. I am Except not... Except he wouldn't blow them up either. Well, no, 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 That's the thing. I'm not hugely familiar with old Doctor Who, but my wife is. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, that genocide, that is totally Doctor Who. Huh. He has genocided so many planets. <laughs> <laughs> well good for him wait I, that's not it, good it just didn't feel like and it was so again incidental mm-hmm. it was so like, oh, up and uh photons worked they're blown up let's go <sighs> really <laughs> moving on the next gen style would always be well you're doing this bad thing but let's talk to you you yeah. must have a valid point and we'll, we'll, we'll send like
1: out. we'll send like a ship back and we can you know we'll figure something out for you
0: guys yeah We'll close your stupid past hole, but we'll also send a team of diplomats and scientists yeah. to figure your shit out.
1: Look, you're not allowed to eat people's
0: souls from the past, but we can figure something out. We'll send you some canned souls. Excuse me, Matt. Neural energy. Uh-huh. That's not the same thing at all. Uh-huh. I just, we don't have, I mean, I don't know the science, but we don't have that much electricity in us. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, it's like the Matrix thing. We got uh, a little bit. That's how our brains work. But... Yeah, but, I mean, we're I... not full of electric. We're not electro- no, I mean, well, I mean, one of us is Electro. Well, yes. And one of us is Shocker, I think. Yeah, but he's yeah. not full of electricity. <laughs> Isn't he? No. Oh, all right. Well... His well, uh, his gauntlets vibrate or something. Well, what about, like, Black Lightning and Black Vulcan and all the other black characters who have lightning Oh, powers? well,
1: those are all DC characters.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> it's the
1: Marvel Universe that eventually becomes Star Trek. That's why X-Men meets Star Trek happened.
0: Yeah, but... DC had the the, the uh, Trek comics for a while, also. Right, but that
1: was back when they were doing crossovers with Marvel, so it still works. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well,
1: why don't you tell me your good thing, man? All right, I will. There's a scene where uh, Picard meets Guinan for the first time that I think is really well done. He's just he's so happy to see her when she's young, and mm-hmm. she's just completely fascinated by this guy who's going to be this huge part of her
0: of her future. I, I don't know the circular logic of this concerns me in that i hope i hope this isn't how they met do you understand what i mean oh no i hope in the future they actually meet Mm -hmm. and she'll say oh i recognize you yeah but there's actually a friendship that forms and this isn't you know you understand what i mean oh
1: yeah no i don't think for a second that they just don't see each other again until she comes on on to the
0: enterprise in season two yeah because it's implied that they already have this relationship yeah If he's only met her once and he doesn't remember at that point of meeting
1: you know what I mean? No, I completely buy that they have an actual, like, real relationship, bef- like, probably that before started,
0: yeah. Like, because, probably mean,
1: before he was even on the Stargazer or whatever.
0: Yeah, because she spent a couple of hours with him taking care of her. Yeah. But that's it. They didn't get to know each other very no, well.
1: No, I just like the idea that this isn't the this is the first time she meets him, but it's the first time right. he meets her. That works fine for me.
0: Right. Like I say, it gets a little confusing, but as long as that's not – it's not some dumb circular logic thing. No, I I, I, I fully believe that they uh, went off on a variety of of awesome adventures. I also am amazed and pleased that we never get an idea of what their deal is. Nope. They have a relationship. They have a special relationship that uh, she said in one episode goes beyond friendship, beyond family. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have, sometimes they have the dynamic of, like, lovers, but I don't know that that's what they are. I think that's a part of it, but I don't think, I think there's a whole lot more to it than that. I don't know. I really don't know. And I like that we don't know. Uh, And I like that no one's ever gone and connected the dots for us. Some things can just be a little mysterious. It's okay. Yeah. Actually, I went, um, not too long ago. We saw a really good guy in an episode and I went searching to see if there was a book. Mm Mm-hmm that maybe had had explored this, because that's what the Expanded Universe is for. And as far as I could tell, nobody has. No, Guinan actually does not appear in very many of the books. That's what led me to The Buried Age, which is mm. a book I quite liked, and I think you were kind of lukewarm to. Yes. But, um, because Guinan's in that a little bit.
1: She, I, I mean, I think she disappears later
0: on in the series. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, um...
1: But, like, she also doesn't ever come back in, like, any of the books I've read or anything.
0: That's what I'm saying. I uh, I believe it's Memory Beta, which mm-hmm. lists all the Expanded Universe stuff. And I searched for Guinan. And there were, yeah. like, three stories and, like, only one of them had Picard. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe they'll explain. Nope. Nope. Which is good. In this case, I don't want to know. No. Sometimes Star Trek, particularly Enterprise, mm-hmm. tries to explain stuff that it's... It, we don't need to know. It's no. fine. There's we just, don't...
1: it's this thing, and it's nice that everyone else sort of peels that way about it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's cute. It's mm. sweet. They have this great relationship, and I like it. Um, So that's your good thing. We already covered your bad thing. Yep. Uh, What else? What else indeed? Yep. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else to discuss here, actually. I don't think there is. All right. Pistola! Let's do it. Let's do it. You do it. I'll just sit back and listen. How about that? Ugh. I seriously don't want to don't want to go on. I've said everything I needed to say. So, Al may have mentioned. You may remember. <laughs> this possible, might have come up maybe. a
1: little bit last week. Mm. Um, Al's problem with uh, with uh, classic humorist Mark Twain, aka Samuel L. Clemens. Um, and I was sort of like, yeah, you know, he's kind of irritating. He's kind of a character, but caricature. But you know, this is Al's thing. I don't really care. So then. We see nothing but Mark Twain for pretty much the entirety of this episode. There is very, There are very few scenes that he is not in. And if he's not in them, you can hear his suit from outside. <clears throat> he has an arc.
0: <sighs> he has a character arc that takes him from one place to another. None of the main characters have that. It's only him. He's nope. the only one who, who goes through this sort of emotional transformation. Everyone else just sort of... Supports him.
1: Uh-huh. It's just he, he's fucking everywhere, and he is awful. He is just goddamn awful. He fucking okay. First of all, he spends the first half of the episode.
0: Do you need a slideshow now? Telling
1: man? everyone, everyone who will listen about the time travelers that he that he's found in San Francisco, and no one thinks he's insane. I and then he follows. He follows him around some more. He waves his pistola. And then he jumps through the time portal that they take to get back to the Enterprise, and now he's on the Enterprise getting
0: a tour from from Troy. And that's that's Troy's job this week. She's been on that duty before. Mm-hmm. We got this guy we don't want to talk to. Uh, give him the Troy. Mm-hmm.
1: And now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. Uh, Troy mm-hmm. is once again adorable. She is in showing him around. Mm-hmm. Um, he is horrible.
0: Kicking I'm doors open. Out of that. You, you, Rifling I'm just. Through I'm making shit. comments on what happened. I'm not gonna. I'm uh-huh. done. <laughs> Rifling through shit, poking stuff with his
1: with his disgusting cigar that he's had for twenty years. Mm-hmm.
0: And no, I think it's the suit that he had for twenty. I don't think he smoked the same cigar for twenty years.
1: I like to believe that Mark Twain did everything for
0: twenty years. All right, I will Every, say. I, I will add one thing. One, one toothbrush one, one, for twenty years. One piece of criticism uh-huh. is all I'm going to add to the. Already considerable pile. Oh, oh, please do. Just one, just one observation, and I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it light. He's supposed to be a humorist. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say one funny thing in either. Nope. He's supposed to be, if I understand correctly, he's supposed to be America's answer to Oscar Wilde. Yeah. he's supposed to be this incredibly pithy, witty, quick on his feet, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. Nope. That's all. It's like they made him a huge part of the
1: episode, but it's like no one understands what he's supposed to be like. Right. I mean, you know, okay, fine. You guys couldn't read the autobiography. It wasn't out yet. But still.
0: You keep mentioning that. That's a that's a, you know, a comedy book that's fake. Mm-hmm. That was written by uh... No, no, there the, his
1: actual autobiography was recently re- uh released. He he wrote this huge autobiography before he died, and his whole thing about it was that it wasn't going it wasn't allowed to be released until 100 years after his death. Ah. And so it it was just released maybe 2 years ago. I see. Um, the Michael Copperman
0: book was sort of written as a, uh... Well, right. And we've mentioned that a few times, and it is a funny book. Oh, I, totally And I like Copperman tremendously, but yeah, that's... I wasn't sure if you actually <laughs> But no, that's not what I'm, I'm referring
1: on, to the actually. actual Mark Twain autobiography.
0: Very well. There's, um, also, there's also a clumsy mention. This, this goes back to my Everything's Famous thing. Yeah. There's a clumsy mention of Halley's Comet. Oh, yeah. Because, um...
1: That's the only space thing he knew about.
0: Well, here's the thing. He was born the year Halley's Comet came around, and he died when Halley's Comet came around again. Yeah, oh. That's one of those just they did cute little weird historical things.
1: You guys heard of Halley's Comet? Oh, we blew that up.
0: <laughs> a- a, uh, any particular reason? Nope. See, I was just about to make a disparaging remark about Mark Twain, but I'm not doing it. We're not all very proud of it. you, Al. Fuck it. I can't help it. We destroyed it because people, awful people kept being born when it came around. (laughs) All right. We're done here. All right. You got any further points? I don't mean to, I don't mean to steer us away from this if you have further things to say. I'm done here.
1: All I really want to say is that, is that Al was right. All right. You will very rarely hear me say that, but man. That's
0: not true at all. In fact, (laughs) in the very next episode, Mm -hmm. I win again. There are no three sweeter words in the English language than Al was right. Oh, and I also like uh data riding around on that carriage. That was pretty sweet. Well that that's the thing. We if we gotten more crazy adventures in the past, mm-hmm. we don't get much of the of the bridge crew doing stuff, unfortunately. We get them in cool costumes.
1: Yes. In and period I, costumes. I actually getting back to Deanne again, there's a there's a scene they don't dwell in it at all, but her trying to wear her corset thing. Yeah. It's pretty fucking funny.
0: No, and the ladies in their in their eighteen hundreds costumes are cool. Uh Riker in his uh fake cop outfit, and I think he's got something else. Jonathan Frakes loves the Civil War, if I'm not mistaken. He Mm. was in a big Civil War miniseries before that. I believe he's the one who pitched that First Contact should be them going back in time to the Civil War. Oh, that's cool. Which is, I think it's his thing. And he had that look. He had that, I mean, the Civil War would have been over 20, 30 years at this point. But he had that look of an 1800s guy wearing a uniform with a beard. And he just, you know, I imagine Frakes really dug that. Mm. But again, if we'd gotten more of them wandering around, trying to blend in, doing cool stuff... And you mentioned that Picard looked a bit Indiana Jones, which was a good he look did, for him. He did,
1: which was awesome.
0: Yeah, Benedict Stewart. We keep being surprised that he he continues to pull off these sort of adventure hero, like his big muscles we mentioned last time, yep. and his Indiana Jones look, and the uh, we be we, that... we really shouldn't still be shocked by how awesome he is. But no, but not even acting wise, just pulling off action hero stuff mm-hmm. that really should only work on a on a man twenty years younger than he. Yes. Like that—that that episode that we call Die Hard on a Starship, which is essentially Die Hard on a Starship,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where he's crawling around like uh, John McClane. John and it's McClane, believable? Totally yeah. Like this is the stuffy sixty-year-old guy. It's like,
1: yeah, this must be what a TV dinner feels like.
0: <laughs> All right, Any, and now uh...
1: I have a now I have a phaser rifle. Ho ho ho. <laughs> All right, enough of this foolishness. On to something no, no. else.
0: On to new foolishness. This this show's all about foolishness. Now. <laughs> no, enough,
1: enough of this foolishness. foolishness.
0: But we are at the halfway point, so it's time to do the next episode. Yes. Realm of Fear. Realm of Fear, which Take is a terrible away. title, by the way. Yeah, it's not a good title. The Enterprise investigates
1: a crashed ship in the middle of some kind of magic whatever or something, floating in the middle of what is what is actually called a bunch of space streamers. Uh, Picard sends over an away team, including Lieutenant Barkley, because they finally decide to pull him off of the graveyard shift for a week. But uh, guess what, folks? Turns out Barkley is also afraid of transporters, and he runs out on an important mission to go learn to do Betazoidian throat-tapping techniques with Counselor Troy. Eventually, Barkley works up the courage to go back to the f- to fucking work and beams over. He arrives just in time to go back to go back again, having missed all of the real effort. And while beaming back, discovers that there are giant maggots hiding in the transporter beam. Barkley returns to his quarters, only discover that he now has glow-in-the-dark arm syndrome. Deciding that rather than t- then taking the long walk upstairs to sickbay, self-diagnosis is the key, Barkley, m- Barkley hops on WebMD to discover that he has transporter cancer tapeworm rot, and will be dead by the end of the day. Learning this, he then goes back to making everyone's job harder. And then, in a, pe- in a fit of panic, he wakes up Chief O'Brien to help him beam around so that he can prove transporter maggots actually exist. <laughs> When he sees that they do, he wakes everyone up and finally gets his glowy arm looked at. And in an effort to beam him to the cornfield, the crew sends Barkley back to the transporter, and he saves a bunch of people from that crash ship I was telling you about before. Because it turned out they all disappeared or were kidnapped by maggots or something. Who cares? The end.
0: <laughs> now, we have previously done—is it two or three Barkley episodes? We did. I think two, two. Not two did Barkley episodes, right? Hollow did... Pursuits
1: and uh, the other one. Uh, Where it became super nth smart. degree.
0: Was there not one in season five? Because that's season three and four. Usually, these characters they give one per season. I can't remember.
1: We might we might have missed one. I can't think of it now. This I, might be like the the Q thing where he was missing for a year, but then we get two episodes this
0: year. That could very well be because we do. Mm-hmm. And I, we'll go into this in a second. I he's not my favorite character, but he gets totally redeemed later this season. He's in one of the best episodes. Oh of the yeah, show. yeah.
1: No, shipping a bottle is a great fucking episode. But when we first this saw was him not.
0: in Hollow Pursuits, and I kept saying, Matt, I hate this guy, and you're like, Why? He's neurotic, yeah. it's a different kind of character, it's, it's cool. Uh-huh, I love. no, I loved Barclay yeah, before I, this episode. I get it, but I just, I didn't, and it's because, I'm pretty sure thinking back, this is the first Barclay episode I ever saw. That would explain a lot. And this because is, he is the Barclay I remember.
1: Because he, he is awful in this, he is just terrible.
0: He... He's scared of everything. It's like, okay, his holodeck thing was cool, that's a thing, mm-hmm. that was an interesting thing to explore. But now he's scared of the transporter, and next week he'll be scared of something else.
1: Yeah. Well, it's let's, like,
0: let's just take this right into your bad thing. I'm, I'm yeah. stepping on a few of your
1: points here. All right. Let me just do this, and then we can get on with it. Very so well. Barclay drove me nuts this episode. I've talked at length about why I like Reg Barkley. He's a clearly broken, anxiety-ridden character who has no business being on a starship, but he still manages to do a good job. He still manages to succeed. He's the guy I can look at and go, yeah, there's a place for crazy people on the Enterprise, too until today. Barkley runs away from a transporter. He defies a direct order. He hides. There's nothing I hate more than the guy who can't, who not only can't do his job, but makes his, everyone else's job harder. I get that you're afraid, Grudge, but you know what? You're in Starfleet. You're in deep fucking space. And there might be lives in danger. As a wise immortal deity once said, it ain't for the timid out here. Barkley just acts Im- Embarrassing and often stupid. It takes him the entire goddamn episode to get his arm examined in sickbay. And all the time I'm sitting here yelling at him. Get your stupid glowing arm looked at.
0: I saw that in your notes. You just keep like in caps. Why aren't you going to sickbay yet?
1: The, the other Barclay episodes that they've shown, despite his problems, that he deserves his place on the Federation's flagship. I spent this entire episode wondering why he, why he was here, why he wanted to be here, and why other people wanted him to be here.
0: You talk about him being the nervous guy and about how it's great that he has a place here. Yeah. Uh, not this past year at Emerald City, but two years ago, mm-hmm. we did a live show. We did a smaller version of the live show, with mostly with our friends and a couple of uh, couple of strangers. Mm. And Matt didn't bring his anxiety meds. Yeah. And we got in front of a crowd. Which and, I need. Know? Yeah. Which, I, hey, we've, we're all broken in some way or another. We're all uh-huh. taking brain meds. This isn't me saying, hey, Matt, you're crazy. No. So am I. Um but you know what? You were you were a crazy nervous guy. You were, oh, my God. And you know what? You sucked it up and you got in front of a crowd. Yeah. That's what we're saying Barkley should, you know. Yeah, you got your problems, but do what you're fucking supposed to do. Yeah, I, and I was just doing a fucking comedy show. This is a guy, right. th- like, there could be
1: people who are dying. Like, they're investigating this this ship that has people missing on it, you know. Yeah. There could be lives in danger. And he's just, no, I'm not doing it. I'm afraid of transporters. That's and as,
0: bullshit. As you said, he had this conversation with uh, Jordy. Mm. Or he's like, uh, okay, Reg, let's beam over. Uh, Couldn't someone else go? No, Reg, I want you to go. Uh, Can't. uh, No, you're going. And that's Lieutenant Commander Geordie LaForge, the head of engineering. He is your boss. Yeah. The only guy above him is the captain. You do what he says. Yeah. And he just runs away. Yeah. You're in the military, for Christ's sake. Yeah. We expect better of you. Granted, it's not the the full-on, you know, uh, uh shooting guy's military, but it's totally... No, but there is still a
1: chain of command, yeah. and you follow it. You knew what you were getting into.
0: Even, and I, even if I, it wasn't. That's mm-hmm. like if you're at a job, and your manager tells you to do something, and you run away. Yeah. It's still not cool. No. You don't it, get to do that. No, and then he beams over, and Jordy's like, hey, welcome back. Like, yeah. nothing comes of it. No.
1: And I get that that's because... The people in the Enterprise are basically good people, you know? Yeah. And they know this guy's crazy, and they're willing to deal with it because they're nice people, but they shouldn't have
0: to. But there's a there's a point where he's trying to convince them of the, as you say, transporter maggots, which is mm-hmm. a good, uh, a good description. Well, they were. They were. They totally mm-hmm. were. Um, And he's in the ready room, or no, he's in the conference room talking to the senior bridge crew. And you could just see Picard's like... This guy is a junior engineer. How are we talking to him again? I uh-huh. shouldn't even know this guy's name. Yep. And he's always like... And he says, I want, I, I'm i sure you're all wondering why I called this meeting. You can call a meeting? Yeah. You can drag Picard and Worf and everybody into, into a meeting? And you're like, you know, of a thousand people on the ship, you're like number 998 in the, yeah. in the pecking order? <laughs> below the civilians? hmm But I, I do think it says a lot about, you know, the crew
1: that, A... W- once Barclay starts freaking out, Jordy, You know, Jordy and, and O'Brien, they take it upon themselves to go down to the transporter and make oh, sure yeah. there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong. You know, fucking even Picard is just like, well, if you're saying there's something wrong, I, you know, I, yeah, we should... Yeah, tear we should, the we should,
0: transporters apart. And, yeah, and we'll find out piece. what
1: it is. You know, I, that's because the, these are decent people, but they still shouldn't have to deal with this shit.
0: No, they shouldn't
1: And all. it's just... It, it's infuriating.
0: Yeah. Um... We definitely should talk about O'Brien. It was mm-hmm. great. He's been away for a while, as we pointed out. Well, he's my that... good
1: thing, so I mean, we can just yeah, hop I'd, right onto I that. I was
0: trying to segue into that. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you for kicking me in the dick there, <laughs> while I was already under the bus that you threw me under last week. <laughs> this metaphor is getting elaborate.
2: <laughs> no, it was but let's, a big let's bus. talk about the O'Brien thing. Yeah,
0: let's talk about because he's back. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been around for a while. No, we think. We think it's because they're getting DS9 ready. We don't know. It's yeah. it's about to premiere soon.
1: I don't remember any more sort of Big O'Brien stuff. No, so this he, might sort um, of be it for him.
0: He is a huge character actor, though. He's been in a million things. He yeah. could have just been off making ten movies in Ireland mm-hmm. then. Because he was in at least one or two movies, I know, of, like independent or low-budget movies in Ireland. Like, I think he was heavily involved in, in the Irish, uh, like, film community, which is cool. Yeah. Goes back home, makes some movies, comes back. Is on a TV show like that. mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, but Everyone he's been likes gone for cool a while, meeting. and it's nice that he's back and and the dynamic between him and Barkley, which which goes nicely into your good thing. Mm-hmm.
1: It, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. It is. I love I love you know the incredibly repressed, creep, like creeped out guy running around, and O'Brien who is like the most steady, most completely you know do your job,
0: utterly down to earth, working class kind of well.
1: Time to do the job. Yeah, and I love... This is actually my quote, so I guess we can just stick this in here, too. Yes. With all due respect, sir, I've been doing this for 22 years, and I haven't lost anybody
2: yet. Yes, but you you realize if the imaging scanners are
1: off, even one thousandth of a percent. That's why each pad has four
0: redundant scanners. If any one scanner fails, the other three take over. Rich. how many transporter accidents have there been in the last ten years? Two?
1: Three, there are millions of people who transport safely every day without a problem.
0: I've heard of problems. What about transporter psychosis? Transporter psychosis? But there hasn't been a case of that in over 50 years. Not since they perfected the multiplex pattern buffers. Rich, transporting really is the safest way to travel. I love...
1: Barkley freaking out about the transporters, and O'Brien just calmly going, "Look, I worked for these, th- worked on these things for twenty years. This is my thing, okay? Right. I got this. Don't worry about it."
0: That's you're doing a bit of a Scotty voice. Well, it's hard, okay? It's it's hard to talk to tire That's ah. the, 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 then you're in Irish. Oh, Mister Pickard, bring the rent. <laughs> you got to admit, her saying Mister Pickard was fine.
1: yeah. Okay, fine.
0: All right, you get one. Yeah. But yeah, the, the quote that uh, that you're talking about is is him just, uh, look, my stuff works, okay? I Seriously, I'm transporter chief O'Brien. Yeah. When I everything else doing. on this ship is breaking
1: down, you can be damn sure the
0: transporters work fine. And we've said that all along, not just because we love the character and the actor, yeah. but really because we have no, had no indication that he can do anything but an excellent job. But we've been yeah. in situations where it's like, we can't beam through that shield, or we can't get the captain back from the Borg, or whatever. He knows what he's doing. He, he yeah. handles it every time. Yeah. I got this. Don't worry about it. I mean, you got Worf, you know, which I didn't notice until somebody put that YouTube thing together. Mm-hmm. Nobody listens to him. Nope. But you got, you know, Data always does his job. Geordi always does his job. And, and O'Brien's one of those guys. Yeah. And, and it's weird to see him. And you had a note in here, like, oh, God, I have to call you sir? Yeah, that was... Because that's the way enlisted guys and officers work. Yeah, that's... see?
1: See, Barkley? He yeah. has to do what you say. You pulled rank on him, for Christ's sake.
0: He did. That's an order. And O'Brien's, like, trying not to be a dick, but he's like, no. yeah, you, you pulled me out of bed. And then he makes this sort of, you know. and, mm. and Barkley's just like, you know. and He gets this nice dig mm. where he's like, well, I I need to bring a tricorder in and take some readings, blah, blah, And they go on and on. And he's about to be And he's like, uh, sorry, sir, if I can say... You don't have a tricorder.
1: Just, just send me over.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is that I I've been I've mentioned this before. I used to work around military guys, and I've seen the dynamic between enlisted guys and officers. Mm. That was a total. I'm a senior enlisted guy. I don't want to put up with your crap. I have to follow your orders, but I'm totally gonna find a way to criticize you. Yep. With all due respect, sir, you're not holding a tricorder. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've seen guys do that. It's a great move, and it was it was a rare bit of well written. Dialogue in, a, in an otherwise yeah not very good episode.
1: No, I mean O'Brien shines in this episode, but he's about all that shines. Yeah. Also, uh, I like the I like the reveal in this that he has a spider <laughs> in a little box. Yeah, we find out at the there's a, there's a nice scene where um where he dis where uh, he talks about how you know his phobia is is spiders.
0: He's afraid. Yeah, everybody's of got one. You're scared of the transporter. I'm scared of spiders.
1: Yeah. And you know he talk he tells this story about how he got over it. He had to go down. You know, people's lives were in danger. Mm -hmm. And he had to go down into this Jeffrey's tube that was crawling with giant, with giant scary alien spiders, Mm -hmm. you know, and he does it. And he comes out and now he's not afraid of them. And he has a pet spider that he keeps.
0: See, we don't ever see again. That's sort of like, uh, yeah, damn it. I bet there's a book about that spider or there should be. Yes. How have we never seen that spider again? Spot the spider. (laughs) Yes. I, I, uh, it's, it's the opposite of the Indiana Jones logic, which is mm-hmm. he fell into a thing of snakes and he was scared of snakes from then, then yeah. forward. Hit the other way around.
1: You know, he fell into a thing of spiders, so he got over it.
0: Or he turned into a supervillain based on spiders. Yes. That, that makes total sense. Spider O'Brien. Yeah. Not a no.
1: great commando name.
0: Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Barkley, just, just terrible. O'Brien, yeah. the, the dynamic between them is good though.
1: Yes. I like. No, I, like I, I, I always like the two of these guys for some reason. Yeah. All right. So. I I, t- I thought they had a previous past, and then I realized that I had actually made that up.
0: <laughs> no, I believe the one episode where you uh, didn't want to summarize the episode and instead invented this whole alternate narrative. Yes, where, where uh, O'Brien decks. and Barkley were below decks fighting werewolves. Right. Which I would rather watch than this episode. Yeah, me, me too. Uh. So let me talk about my good thing. Yes, please do. Which, I will admit, was a, was a struggle to find. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just do, you know, well, the good thing is that it was over in 44 minutes. No, we've done that joke. Yeah, we've, we have. And I try not to cheat. The whole point of this exercise mm. is for us to watch an episode like this that we're not too fond of and really try to pick out something good. No. It's, it's good for us. It's good for us to, just like the other way around, when we watch an episode like The Inner Light, which is almost perfect. Which, where we have to find something bad about it. Yeah, exactly. It it stretches your the critical part of your brain, which is yeah. good if we're doing a show that, that you know, does critical analysis of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a legitimate thing. This was an actual thing that I didn't know before. Uh, Troy gets to relieve Barkley of duty. And that's yep. not a cheap shot at Barkley. Like, oh, he shouldn't be working. I mean, I think that. but But, I mean, we're actually seeing an important part of Troy's job here. She's not just, you know... Patting people on the hand and saying, No honey, it's going to be okay she's got this power she's a, she's a psychologist this, mm-hmm. we get to see that she has this ability. Bones did this in the original series. he could size up Kirk and say you're you know you're not fit for command. I'm relieving you and I'm sure Beverly has that power too, but you have a dedicated person who can look at someone's mental state and say you're you're not cool you're not going to your job until until this is fixed mm hmm which I, re- I really like. I like that it sort of gives her an important role. Yeah. It defines her role after six years. Finally. As, as something kind of important where she's assessing the mental stability of people in important jobs and, and determining whether or not they should work. That's that's cool. I like yeah. that. It adds a whole extra dimension to what she does, and, and it's way better than what we thought she did before, mm. which was marriage counseling and, you know, eating chocolate. <laughs>
1: Of course, that means that on top of everything else, Barkley is not actually allowed to be telling Chief O'Brien to beam him anywhere.
0: I don't remember how, like, the order. I don't remember she relieved him before.
1: I'm pretty sure she relieved him and then he ran off and woke O'Brien up at whatever o'clock.
0: Well, apparently he gets to uh, just disobey orders whenever he wants, because I'm sure... Troy is, I think, a lieutenant commander. She's yep. definitely higher than lieutenant. I can't remember. if She's lieutenant commander or full commander, but she has bridge rank, and we'll deal with that in a few weeks. Yes. So she totally can say, "Lieutenant, this is an order." Yeah, you're done. Plus, as a as a certified, you know, psychological uh, authority, you're done. Like, yeah. not only pulling rank, but pulling sort of medical. You know, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to do this. So yeah, that's that's like two orders, really. Yeah. Uh, all right. But My no. bad thing. Yes. You covered my main bad thing, which is I'm not crazy about this character. Mm. But there's another big one, another person I'm not very crazy about. Brandon Braga. Mm-hmm. Talked about this before. We'll probably be talking about it again. As as someone who fancies myself a writer, I tend to look at the writer. I tend to, like, some people say, oh, I don't like this character. I don't like the acting. Some people even say I don't like the directing. I always go to the writer every time. That is my first, why is this episode good? Because of the script. Yep. The actors can make or break it, of course, and the directing, same thing. But to me, it always starts with the script and a great, a great episode is almost always written by a good writer and occasionally the not great. Well, like I think Jerry Taylor, who I'm not fond of, wrote a really good episode a few weeks ago. I don't remember. Yeah. But typically when I look at an episode like this, this is Braga. It's got Braga all over it. He definitely has a type. He loves, and, and you said this in the original series, you like horror in Star Trek. I absolutely do. You're a horror fan and and you get that alien vibe where you have horror and space, you can you can meld the the two genres well. Yeah. Space uh
1: science fiction horror is one of my favorite genres cuz it's such a cool place to have scary things happen. It definitely is. You know, Bones had his little lecture on it in the uh in uh New Trek.
0: Uh-huh. You know, space is fucking scary. Right. And it absolutely is, but um the the original series did it okay a few times. Mhm. I know it can be done well. I haven't seen Star Trek do it very much, and Next Gen tried it over and over and over again, and it was almost always Braga. He wants to have monsters or some kind of night thing or, you know, some kind of creepy thing, and it never works. Nope. He wants to justify it with this flimsy technobabble, mm-hmm. and Cole Meaney totally sells O'Brien's expertise and his pride in the transporters. But it still comes off as, uh, Brandon Braga read the technical manual and now he gets to tell you how the transporters work for 10 minutes. Because they just give this whole speech about, oh, well, the Heisenberg compensators do this and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I own that technical manual. I I could read that paragraph off myself. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't justify the monster nonsense or the stupid resolution. Yeah. You know, I don't care. I don't care how it works. I don't care. But I'm pretty sure you can't see while you're being transported. No, I, that was fucking... A,
1: I forgot about how fucking terrible that was. I mean,
0: again, I don't care science-wise how it works. I will buy into whatever internal logic you sell me. Mm. This is how it works in this world, fine. Done. But, but it's not consistent with anything else we've ever seen. Yeah. They can They can really... They can look around. I. They. We've had this happen before with that guy who punched his way out of a transporter. You remember that? Yeah. It's fucking stupid. It doesn't make sense. Uh, the way we understand it mm. is... It breaks you down into into your component parts, into your molecules. Yeah. It beams, like, it, it from what I understand, it then destroys you. Yes. Sends the information that, is, that, that makes the other end capable of rebuilding those molecules mm-hmm. and then rebuilds them. It, it's, this is a terrible metaphor, but it's like a fax. Yeah, basically. You're not sending the same piece of paper over. You're sending an exact duplicate of the piece of paper on the other end.
1: Proving that not only is uh is the Star Trek universe also the future of the Marvel universe, it's also the future of the Back to the Future universe. Right.
0: Fax machines are coming back in a big way in only two years. Just yep. You just wait. Oh, no, I know. And if you work for Fujitsu-san, he, he just fires you by fax. He doesn't yeah. even call you or call you in his office. He just, uh... Guy's yeah. a jerk. He is a bit of a jerk. Um... But that's how I'm led to understand transporters work, and I'm you know fine again internal logic. I don't care if it makes sense. Yeah, that's how it works. But looking around, yeah, grabbing yeah. things,
1: yeah, no, that it, that's ridiculous.
0: And it ends up, I, I, Matt kind of glossed over it with some jokes, which is what we do. Mm. Uh, the the uh, the crew of of the ship, the missing guys, are somehow caught in the transporter beam as these maggot things. Yeah, uh-huh. O'Brien grabs one, brings it back, and it's a guy. Yeah. It's not a maggot anymore. I what? Yeah, I don't. How do you turn into like what?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. so I got stuck in the transporter. So now I'm a maggot. Mm -hmm. But if you bring me back with you, if you if you reach out a transporting hand and grab me, Mm -hmm. then I'll be fine when you get me back to reality. It doesn't make a fucking lick of sense.
0: And this is this is Braga all over. This is the blueprint for every episode of Voyager. Mm -hmm. This is the uh, okay. Here's the thing. I've said this about Ron Moore, who... this sort of the, the, the good and evil, and the weird thing is they, they write together.
1: Yeah, but then they split off, and...
0: Yeah. A good show comes out of it, and a not good show comes out of it. I mean, let, let's be clear. These are our opinions. Yep. But Ron Moore writes everything we like about Star Trek, and mm-hmm. Braga writes everything we don't like about Star Trek. If There, there are plenty of Voyager fans out there, and, and if you warm to his kind of thing, that's fine. Personally, I think... It doesn't make any sense in the context of the show. It doesn't add anything to the characters. Even if you like Barkley in this episode, he doesn't learn or grow or nothing. No. Basically what this episode is is I'm scared of the transporters and now I'm justified in my fear because there's fucked up stuff going on in there. Yeah. There's no learning to overcome his fear. It's just, yep, I was right. That's not That's not an arc. That's not interesting. No. It's just dumb stuff that happens. And yeah. that's how I see Braga's writing. And it's unfortunate. But then Ron Moore, on the other hand, in two weeks, we'll obviously discuss this at length when we do the episode. In two weeks, when Scotty comes back, Mm -hmm. we have him using the transporter to do something really cool. And it works within the framework of what the show's established. It doesn't feel like a weird trick. It feels like, oh, I mean, of course it's a weird trick. It's It's a contrivance to get him there. But it works. But this engineer who knows his way around a transporter did this thing that we've already established can happen mm-hmm. and it doesn't like that's it's not inventing some stupid thing we've never seen before. It's it's working within the confines of the show, using the logic of the show to make something happen. And that I like. Yeah. There's a difference. There's a distinct difference.
1: It's I mean it's one thing that like, you know, you look at, you know, what the show has established before and work within that. It's another thing. Oh, a ghost did it.
0: Yeah. There's well, ghosts in the transporter. We'll get more into that later. That's Ugh. that's just his thing. The, yeah. the core problem I have with him is one he doesn't focus on character that much. Two, he loves making magic and monsters happen, and he barely creates any science to back it up.
1: And you've got to understand, you have to be a pretty bad writer for for you to put monsters in your Star Trek script and me to get mad about it.
0: It's just not scary. No. You want them to be scary. I want them to, to have something to do with the characters. Those are our two main things about, yeah. you know. And he can't do either. No, he can't. Like I said, if there's no insight to the character, if there's no real, even way for the character to shine, Mm. if you give him a nice, like, this is what Barclay's good at. Nope. Nothing like that at all. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. That sort of leads me to, and this might be Braga, it might be other factors, I don't know. It sort of leads me to, we're entering an era of next gen now. Mm. And we got a lot of good episodes in season six. We were Because we're just starting, we were looking at the list of what's ahead. Yeah, There's a lot of great episodes coming up. Not so much in season seven, but we'll get there in a little while, yeah
1: we should enjoy what we have
0: this is this is the, I think the only week where there's two episodes where we don't like the way it breaks down from this point forward is there's maybe not a good one and a great one yeah there's there's a lot of good stuff sprinkled out through the season, but we're entering this era now there's a there's sort of a pattern there's sort of a i don't know what if i don't want to call it phoning it in, but there's sort of a you tune into any episode after season five. And it's like everything, feel like the pacing is exactly the same. You got any of the other crew that's not in it or only in it for five minutes clearly look bored. Yep. Like anytime you got an episode where Picard's in it for five minutes, you, you can almost see Patrick Stewart checking his watch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, whatever. Let's get a move on. But, I mean, he enjoys the show. You know that. He I loves that being the I got that cameo character. in that uh, Robin Hood movie I got to be at. <laughs> I got to do L.A. Story with uh, Steve Martin soon. <laughs>
1: Steve Martin?
0: Yeah. He Even if they don't have other work to do, it's clear, well, I have three lines of dialogue. Ugh, okay. And it's not just him. It's all of them. No. And you know they love working on the show. They talk on and on about how they I, love being you together. Can, yeah, or, you can still...
1: Like, it is way after the show has been has gone off the air. These guys no longer have to talk about how much they like each other.
0: No, they don't have to tow the Paramount Company line anymore. They can no. They can dish whatever dirt they want, and they still love each other. Yeah. But you can tell. Like, nobody... Seems that everyone's just sort of flat. I mean, Jordy and Data have a little to do, but even they're not. Mm-hmm. Nobody's—I don't know. Nobody's interesting, or everything's just sort of settled into the house style, and it's just—I—I I, I need a better way to say this. I think as we go, I'll be able to articulate this better. But we're in this it, era. Where it's
1: six. It's been six years. The show's
0: starting to show its age. Which is unfortunate because it took them so long to find their way. Mm -hmm. It took them a full two seasons to get to where we liked them. And now they're already starting to get stale. They only really had like three good years in the middle. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a lot of great stuff coming up. I'm not saying this season is terrible.
1: No, but but we we are getting towards the end. And
0: you're you're starting to see it. We now have the template for the the phoning it in shows Mm -hmm. that are just like... uh, Come on, you guys. You can do better than yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's just, just well, this week we don't really have to try that hard. Now, here's the thing. Someone who came by the table and talked to us. And mm. we, this is the great thing. Okay, I had this... Uh, for, for those of you who didn't hear the live show or didn't know, I had this Captain Kirk puppet that our friend Kim made. Yes. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this part of me that I don't usually... I don't know. I don't know what happens when I when I hold a puppet. Yeah, you put
1: a puppet on Al, and he turns into a different person. Yeah, I, I, it's his Mister Hyde.
0: I but a Mister Hyde who can get people interested in podcasts. Doctor Jekyll and
1: Mister Felt. Right,
0: that could have been better, Matt. Yeah,
1: I'll right. fix it. I'll fix it in post. You don't even know what
0: post is. You're right. I'll so I probably won't fix it. I'll fix it in the post atomic horror. <laughs> But I, I that's how I lured people in. But anyway, I had a bunch of conversations with a bunch of Trek fans, and I think you did as well. Mm-hmm. We engaged a lot of people on, you know, yeah, I love Trek, but I don't like this. And, and there were people who completely disagreed. Almost all of, in fact, all of them, I would say. Mm-hmm. We didn't agree with a lot of, like, oh, the new movie, I'm not a fan. There was no nerd nitpicking back and forth. Everyone was very respectful of, well, I prefer this series. I liked Enterprise. And we're like, well... We haven't gotten there yet, but we don't think we remember liking it. And everyone was really civil and nice, and we, we just uh, – very cool interacting with people. But one person told me a thing that I didn't remember, but it sounds true. Mm-hmm. Marina Surtis was saying the reason Next Gen sort of fell in the last couple of years was because they were giving the good scripts to, as she called it, Deep Thing.
1: That wasn't at the thing. That was me telling you that. Was it? Yeah, she told us uh, – she was talking about that at the – um when i went to saw, see her and michael dorn at the uh well, the some, last
0: vancouver con somebody else mentioned it to me as well and i think you must have spoken up and said yeah, yeah I, whatever cuz i remember having the conversation with someone who wasn't you but okay that's good
1: okay you you might be right now <laughs> i remember talking uh, no i remember talking about it at emerald city now
0: that you mentioned it well, there were there were a lot of people who came up and and got us in conversations and if you weren't talking to another person mm-hmm. you would often turn around and join the conversation yes and, what's
1: happening over here yeah
0: Hey, someone's talking about Star Trek. Cool. Hey, I someone's talking about Star Trek away from Mumbly Bane. <laughs> Let's not talk about that guy. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, that sounds right. It sounds like, yeah, okay. I can, I can totally see that. They had too many things going on at once. And, but even if one of the key players in the show says, yeah, we weren't getting great scripts, mm. that kind of justifies us saying that the show was Yeah, they to weren't to getting great scripts. <laughs> yeah. Rather than us just being kind of bitchy and sick of the show, which we're not. No. In fact, we were really only getting into the swing, like I said, on on this podcast about a year ago. Mm. And now we're really enjoying it, and now it's already starting to to decline, which is a shame. But in any case, like I said, this is the only week for a while where we get to that we're not crazy about. Yeah. Fortunately, going forward, we're going to have a lot of good ones back and forth. I realized that I did not uh, give my quote. Oh well, please give your quote Or *Times zero Part Two. There's a there's a great bit where Picard and Guinan are are sitting down in the uh, down in the caves, and Data's head is sitting there, and Picard has to get a message through about don't don't blow up the planet this way, blow it up a different way. Mm-hmm. And he comes up with this really clever thing where he taps out a binary message inside Data's head with an iron filing. <laughs> And then when Geordi reattaches his head, Data uh, comes to life and does this. Torpedoes. Phasing. Alien. I am processing a binary message entered into my static memory by Captain Picard. Geordi, are we planning to fire on the alien habitat? Which which I think was just very cool it was a very it was a very adventure, adventure game sort of pick up iron filing, yes, use iron filing on On data's, data's head. head right, and then it cuts to a mini game where you have to do a, a binary thing
1: that would be the um the thing where you prove that you' actually own the
0: uh right the, the, you own the disc exactly you have You'd to put you have to pull out the guide that came with the game with red film yep exactly it was it was it was cool I liked it it was a sort of an unconventional way to to do things, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy it enough to mention it when we talked about the episode, but, uh... Hey, those of you just joining us, this is... This is how we go. We sometimes get caught up in our own weirdness and forget... Forget how the show works.
1: It's just another great part of what brings the post-atomic horror together. Is this a fun drive?
0: <laughs> so please, donate early and often. No, don't... I mean, you know, If you want to give us money, that's fine. In fact segue oh nice if you want to give us money we got a couple of things you can buy yes we do we have uh we did an episode guide yes that covers the entirety of of the kirk and spock era Mm -hmm. uh that includes the uh the movies and the abrams movie yep basically anything with you know the original guys yes right um that is available on our website volume two is written I need to finish the copy editing and send it off to our pal Bob, who will then send it off to the printer. Yes. But it's it's done. It's done. It's on its way. We had, well, we got the announcement that we got a panel. And then we were like, shit, we could print this book or we could prepare for this big deal. Well, we should probably prepare for this big deal. This book's going to happen no matter what. This panel's got, you know, one day that it's going to happen, so... Yeah. yeah. But Volume 2 is quick on the way. Uh, speaking of our pal Bob, he has put the entire content of Volume 1 into an app for iOS, for your iPhone and iPad and such, where you can look things up by episode, you can keep track of what you've watched, you can, you know, if you really care about star dates, they're in there. Mm. And right now it's free. Yeah. It costs nothing. I, I'm not sure what his plans are for the future, but... Uh, for right now, you can just have it. You can just have it, which is great. Um, But that's, I mean, we don't, you know... If you want to buy a shirt, that's fine. We have those. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we mostly we're about content. Yes. We'll listen to the show, enjoy the show, read the episode guides. Yeah, uh, we we didn't yeah.
1: write the shirts.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: that's not I true. I guess the we kind
0: of did, actually. The new shirts we're selling actually have Sia folks on the back. Well, so, yeah. I guess so, we did. So you wrote the you wrote the shirt. <laughs> you should get a cut of that. We do actually. We are opening a, a shirt shop. Um, I didn't mean to plug this, but what the hell. Yeah, it's the end it. of the show. Let's let's do this.
1: <laughs> what else do you have to do?
0: This was on my first, like first on my list when Emerald City wrapped up, was mm-hmm. to finally get one-off shirts. We had this thing where we were getting screen-printed stuff, and you had to get twelve, and it was a pain in the ass. So we now found a way to sell one-off shirts of all of the cool supplemental art that our pal Vishal Baradwaj has done for us.
1: Yes, uh,
0: uh, the horror logo and a bunch of stuff from our other show
1: yeah i got uh when we were when we met up last weekend you presented me with a uh shirt with from with one of uh, michelle's uh arts right from the uh the monster guide and it looked fucking awesome
0: uh which which leads me nicely to we do another show called sarcastic voyage it's mm-hmm. uh comedy sketches and and just general comedy and uh not star trek related but still us doing our thing and uh, yes. you might enjoy that but the the shirt shop sells stuff from that and like I say, a lot of really cool stuff that Vishal's done. Uh, both the covers for Volumes 1 and 2 of the episode guides are on shirts. Just mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of great stuff. Totally. Which you should check out. Um, nice. But that's all for now. Next week we will be back with... <laughs> I keep saying Bob's name, but uh, he signed up for these episodes. So we'll, we'll be back for that. with that. And any final thoughts, Matt? Uh, no. Alright, why don't you read the back of the shirt for me? <laughs> See ya, folks! The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. about my dear Mr.
2: Clemens. I do think we've heard enough. Mr. Data's business is his own, and I will thank you to leave now. Stop me, Madam Diamond, but
1: it is my business. Shut here. up! It is the business of all humanity, I believe. Ah! Both of you, from whatever it is you are doing here. Shut and up!
2: This is what I intend to do?